Um, guys, this is The Tribe Stories and my name is Israel. Yeah, this is my first time of hosting The Tribe Stories and it's a privilege. Um, nice to have you guys here too. Um, once again, I'm with Pastor Ferdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hello everyone. <laughs> Great to be here. I've also not been on the podcast for a while, but glad to be back on it. Yes, hello Pastor Ferdy. Good day. Hope you're doing good. Of course, I am. And uh, you? Are you doing good? Oh, very well. I'm it, fine. It's been an interesting year coming all the way from the lockdown, COVID, to the Lekki protest, the massacre, and the denial of the massacre, and all that is unfolding, and um, the US election, and now the vaccine, and the, the Antichrist. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a been lot. So we've been talking so much about identity and then I think even in terms of identity and at the tribe we've been talking about identity a whole lot. We've talked about union life, we've talked about identity crisis, we've spoken about all of these things for quite a while now. And um, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of people need to hear this majorly because it's, it feels like it's one key thing that is a part of everyone's story. Mm. And maybe not currently, but at some point in everyone's life, they have had to battle with the labels. They have had to battle with trying to define certain things. Okay, so um, we've been talking about identity in the tribe. And then over time, we've spoken about attachment to things, detachment from things, um, union life with God. And I'm pretty sure that at some point, um, this is something that has come across everyone's story. You know, it's one key topic that you know, at some point in our lives, we have to deal with the labels. At some point in our lives, we have to understand how to... Um, everyone is sort of looking for a definition or an identity in, in relation to different things. And it has caused a lot of... Um, I don't want to use the word maybe confusion, but it has led to people asking um, a lot of radical questions. And some of the conversations we've had, so maybe you could just... Um, talk a little bit on what the identity crisis you feel like is currently in the 21st century. So I, I think that we we all have to understand identity because it's going to play out in many forms. Um, so we're in the 21st century today. Many people are in this intense battle to find a sentence. They're in this intense battle to find meaning in this intense battle to find a sense of belonging. We try to find these things in the communities we look for, or we try to find acceptance in the relationship. But fundamental to identity is, when we take all these things away from you, your relationship, your degree, all of the things that we add on, who are you? So that irreducible, that core, that part of you, that is not amplified, enhanced by anything. It's your core, it's your identity. So your identity is the essential part of you, is the core of who you are. And that core of who you are is the is where you get your sense of meaning, your sense of validation, right? And so culture has a way of bringing identity formation. And the way we were told, we were raised in a family, and the family structure and the family stories will become the fabrics upon which you construct an identity. So if you're born into the walking palace, like some of us, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to be raised with that sense of royalty. But if you were born on the other side of town, where like you are exposed to all kinds of realities, so that becomes a foundational part of your formation. Now, the reality of identity is that there is an inner child of everyone, every one of us. We have this inner child that never grows old, never grows or is going to always be there. If 
love is not how you were shaped growing up, you're going to grow up trying to compensate for that. So we all derive identity from different sources. Uh, many people derive identity from their roles. Some derive identity from their titles. Some derive identity from their accomplishments. Others from what they drive or where they live. And when your identity is achieved, the challenge with it is that whenever you don't achieve other things, your identity suffers because your identity is achieved, right? But the Christian story is a different understanding of identity. Okay. In the Christian narrative, identity is not achieved. Identity is bestowed, is received. And the identity that is now the truth of who we are is the way Christ defined himself in relation to God. And invite, invited everyone of us to participate in that. Christ said, I am the son of God. God is my father. And that's our identity now. That we are sons of God, made in the image and likeness of God, beloved by God. So God has actually accepted us in Christ. In God, we don't need to achieve any identity. We are already his sons. We're not walking towards any acceptance. We are walking from the place of acceptance. We're not walking towards any place to perform. We are free from performance. Our love, the love God has for us is in spite of us. It's not de dependent on our contribution, on our nice beliefs, nice sounding words. No, God loves and his love is unconditional. An unconditional love is the best place you can find an identity because it's not going to change when you don't meet up. You don't have to meet up an unconditional love. And only God can love unconditionally. So when you get into crisis, the way you deal with crisis is also going to reveal where your identity is. If you lose your job and you become suicidal, what that means to us is that that job is the meaning of your core of your existence. If you lose a relationship, you're heartbroken and you suddenly say, I'm never going to love again, I'm never going to date again, or I'm going to kill myself because someone left you or you're heartbroken. What it means is that that relationship wasn't just a relationship to you. It was your source of meaning. It was a source of validation, a source of identity. So we are having to deal with this. So, that, so when you understand that there is a God-shaped void in every man, Okay. That only God can feel. Okay. There is a love-shaped void. There is a God-shaped void because God is love. Yeah. Right? Nothing else can suffice. We look to other things to fill that void. We can't. Now, identity crisis, on the other hand, is when we tend to now struggle through life, trying to fill this void with many other things. We try to look for relationships to assuage and resolve our void. Yeah. So you have things like you have things like um, self-esteem issues. You have insecurities. Now these are manifestation of a person's sense of worth not being secured in the in the love of God, but then having to look at people's acceptance to validate themselves. And imposter syndrome, interestingly, is one of that. Okay, so um, that means it se it seems to be that all of these things are all based on external factors that are variables that can change over time. And like you rightly said, um, Pastor Freddy, one of the major things that we're going to talk about now is um, imposter syndrome. And let's just delve into it, but let me let me define what that is. So basically, imposter syndrome is more or less like a phenomenon, a feeling, a psychological feeling, whereby you don't feel good enough and you somewhat feel like you're incompetent and like all of the works you've done, all of the achievements you've done are personally undermined by your own mind constantly and you're feeling like at some point in time the world is going to figure out that you're a fraud, mm. you know, and I feel like that hits me deep when I look at the definition. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pick it up verbatim, I'm explaining what that is. So like you rightly mentioned, Pastor Freddy, you, you mentioned imposter syndrome and I feel like that is one major thing that still 
battles with everyone in terms of identity. Like, you can literally share this discussion of this topic with everyone and it would hit deep for them on different levels, but it's, it's something that is common to everyone. Mm -hmm. And imposter syndrome, in terms of maybe trying to define it, is just the constant feeling of you undermining yourself, your worth, your value. Uh, and it's a psychological thing whereby you feel like no matter how much you've done your achievement, there's just this void in terms of you feeling like you're actually as good as people might say you are and you feel like someday they would really define you or discover you to be a fraud and you know you go on living your life with that so maybe you could just give us a little more light on what imposter syndrome is and expatiate on it i think the imposter syndrome is something that many people are very familiar with and interestingly it's actually in psychology it's really thought to be like a healthy concept of self uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, they tell you that the people who are not necessarily imposed would never feel that way are the real frauds. That the, the real fraudulent people are never traumatized by imposter syndrome. But the, the, the authentic people tend to battle with that sense of feeling. Well, whether or not it is a, it's justifiable on a psychological level doesn't then make it um, acceptable on another level. And I think that's where the psychological and the theological has to kiss. Because the psychology is speaking to um, your concept of self, but the theological is speaking to the God's revelation of who you are. So, yes. and when we're coming from where we are, we're seeing things through our lens, our broken lens, and the, the conditioning that we've lived through for many years. We've been conditioned by voices in our heads, voices in the environment, sometimes by our loving parents who just didn't know how to steward their words but oftentimes the words will rip you apart and build in you a sense or notion of poor self-image. And so many people never feel qualified for the kind of opportunities they have. Even when they become remotely successful, they still don't think that they are successful. One interesting thing about imposter syndrome is that real thoughts have learned to deal with it. They don't even get to feel that sense of imposter syndrome anymore. But the real people who are having to build their careers or run a business oftentimes find themselves plagued by these voices in their heads. And one thing you must recognize is it's not just a voice, it's something that they become conditioned to over time. And we, there's a word we call cultural conditioning. And I mean, if you were born in an environment that oftentimes they, they were giving, you were giving backhand compliments, you were said like, you're good, but... but there's you, always this, yeah, but... And sometimes you... Even maybe you, you didn't come first consistently. This semester you were third, this semester you were third. You, you feel your parents will enjoy their affection. So the way it works is many people, be, over time, this voice becomes a part of their psyche and they don't just show up in life. Have you ever seen people with a lot of potential who are not just doing enough, who are not even attempting to do anything with all they have? Incredible writers, great writers. So I read your stuff, you write so well, I don't think I do. They're never really thinking of writing a novel. They're never really thinking of putting out a script because there's a voice back at the, at the back of their minds always saying, you're going to be a fraud if you do. So it plays on a level, when they get there, the voice will come and say, you're not meant to be here. You don't belong here. You've come your way here. You shouldn't be here. There's also the other side where the voice is saying, don't even attempt to feel that form. You don't qualify. Why would you think of yourself that way? The voice is always disqualifying people and they don't show up in life. So that's the danger of imposter syndrome. People with a lot of potential who are not actually living in the reality of their potential, just maybe those who have been imprisoned by this voice of an imposter within them. 
that is always calling you out. So there's it manifests sometimes as self doubt. There okay. is a lot of self doubt. They don't just trust themselves enough. And then for you to succeed, you have to be brave. For you to be brave, you have to trust your intuitions. But the imposter voice has taken over and has held them hostage or hijacked them. And also sometimes you also manifest in procrastination where they just not really, okay, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. That's also sometimes it's played yeah. out as that. They feel like ah, there's this also, it's, it's also very it's closely limited to perfectionism yeah. where they feel like, oh, I want to wait till it's perfect. And the most crippling of it all is the fear of failure where they feel like, ah, oh, what if I fail? I mean, what about if you succeed? I mean, we learn to have to flip that. So the imposter syndrome is really, really part of the 21st century psyche because we are, we've done two things. One, we've internalized a low sense of who we are. We've outsourced our sense of security to things and people around us. And that is programming. Talking the media helped us with that. The culture reinforces that. And we've also somehow internalized a sense of competition with the other person. And what's the Bible's position in competition? He that compares himself one to another is a fool. So the Bible has no room for comparison. We're not meant to compare ourselves with the other person. We're meant to compare ourselves with ourselves. We're meant to say, okay, how am I gazing into the gospel and seeing the gospel shape me day by day and bringing me to the full experience of who I am, bringing out the higher self, bringing out the more evolved self, and that's the conversation. right? So the imposter syndrome is not never supposed to be a disqualification, but it's meant to be an invitation for you to ask yourself, what is this residue in my head? What is this voice calling me out on indicting me and stopping me from trying and then you now start to deal with the rest so um sorry you mentioned something about the environment the media reinforcing culture and all of that so there, there was this time whereby i had to like stand in front of a mirror and literally ask the questions what effects the environment has had on me from time past till now and i want to ask um do you think imposter syndrome is um in nature or not a thing and in like in nature like okay everyone just has it because that is our nature or it's more um, based on nurture like the environments where we grow up in like do you think people can grow up in certain environments where they will never have imposter syndrome i think it's not a nature thing it's pretty much a natural thing it's is the is a child the inner child the way you were raised what you were told about yourself the gospel comes with a different narrative i mean yes. in the gospel we find in second corinthians 5 17 that um, 16 and 17, the Bible was clear that you are not, know yourself not after the old self. Mm -hmm. So the old self is the self we become so fully acquainted to that we need to divorce, divorce ourselves from and that is the part of the process of how we can untangle ourselves from the false notion of who we are. And then if you have a false idea of success, it's going to play out for you, right? So if you feel, okay, this is what it means to be successful, you have an un unhealthy access to your interior life and so you're always comparing, comparing yourself with others and in your interior life you know you're not well put together but you have no access to the other people's interior life so you see their showreel you see their highlights and you're like man i don't measure up i don't belong and you're taking yourself out you're pulling yourself down and you're not accepting opportunities you're not able to show up in life, you're not able to take your chances, you're not able to move the way you should move, you're just conditioning, you're just settling for mediocrity, you're just talking yourself out, talking yourself down, and that is one of the major problems. Now, so what you have to first of all realize is um, there are many illusions that we, we don't know about. In fact, I think that we underestimate the impact of illusion on our minds. 
um, the kind of education we were supposed to has a part to play. I mean, there was a lot of competition built into my primary school experience. Um, I was pretty much a very lucky kid, so I did well. But I remember days when I don't think I'm, I, I'm measuring up just as much. I mean, sometimes to even come third in class was almost a failure because you were used to having a first position and just being third, so then you feel like, oh, I've lost something or somebody else is better than me. So, and the teachers of that day and age, the context of the education, the experience of the education, the words and the content, everything about that experience was be better than the next guy or the next guy is better than you. So there was never really a, um, a comparison to being better than yourself on a it, daily It wasn't basis. about it was who are you, play to your strength, yeah, affirm yourself in who you are. It was about if they have a better grade than you, they're better than you. So we, we were our grades. And we carry that thinking. So in school, you're your grades. In the workplace, you're your performance evaluation. Yeah. And so you're constantly having to look for uh, how do I... Yes. to validate. And That's to validate. So I have a question because um, how then do we identify these things? Because when I look at my own growing up, I, I believe that there were certain things that I didn't even pay so much attention to. Um, personally, I didn't come from the Buckingham Palace royalty kind of thing. And I can see that. <laughs> when I currently find myself around people who are extremely wealthy, I'm an extrovert. But just there at that moment, I would be extremely introverted for the Are longest compensating period. for something? I, that's the thing, I don't exactly know. So for, for people who are probably listening to this and also contemplating on how to, you know, they want to work on themselves, they know they have certain sort of types of imposter syndrome. Mm. How do we identify it? The ways, the ways in, um, in, in, in psychology that we talk about, um, we call them defense mechanisms. The defense mechanism is actually very revealing and sometimes it's the ways in which we try to accommodate, squeeze ourselves, hide ourselves, we confuse the reality of who we are. One of that is, um, like I spoke about compensation. Compensation is somehow, you find it in a case where someone is, you're just struggling to be real to yourself. I mean, maybe you hurt somebody now, right, and tell them sorry. Your identity is tied to their approval, so you rather be, you go buy something for them, right? So compensation is projection. Projection is when um, some other person has annoyed you, and you're projecting on another person that is more vulnerable. So an, a rich friend of yours has put you down, and you're taking it out on the poorer person in the clique who is not who doesn't just have a voice. That's projection. You have something called repression. Repression is when your subconscious actually hides these things from you, hides the events that played out in your past, and you're not able to move forward in it. And so that we have all kinds of defense mechanism. There is um, the sublimation when people tend to take up a positive kind of um, activity to to sort of hide another positive another struggle in their life. So all of these defense mechanisms in themselves are an indication to show that there is a gap in our hearts and in our lives that we need to deal with. So they don't re- really resolve it, but they help us to de- to conceal our reality as we navigate through life. Okay. But the Bible, the only defense mechanism of the Bible is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, I'm pointing you and introducing you to a comforter. The reason the comforter comes into our lives is because there are areas of discomfort we have and we're dealing with that we need to be to combat. So we're going to be pulled out of the comfort zone of our insecurity, pulled out of the comfort zone of our thinking about ourselves, and the Holy Spirit comes to reparent us. So there is a very strong role of the Holy Spirit in reparenting us as, you know, and returning us back to our innocence. 
So you find about uh, Ephesians 1 Paul was saying that he restored us with blameless innocence. That's actually the kind of uh, the scripture that speaks to that. But God is restoring the blameless innocence where you're no longer your traumas, you're no longer your events, you're no longer your memory, you're no longer the experiences that have conditioned, altered you, or distorted you in, in any way. You are now the very image of God, fully restored, reclaimed, and redeemed. And the image of God in you then is now beaming the life of God and is bringing you in and is speaking of light. So the entrance of the world gives light. So God comes in and invades our broken places and suddenly we're finding wholeness and healing. The gospel is the only tool that I know has shaped me most, right? In just okay. interacting with who God, who God, who he thinks I am, not who I think I am. Yeah, and I think there's, there's so much reiteration from various people that wrote different books in the Bible just trying to really make one understand that the life we live now is no longer the ones we had or we once held strongly onto and all of that like trying to tell us you know we're no longer um looked like god never looked at us in the eyes of what we probably held onto in terms of our identity trying to tell us to look inwards trying to tell us that the life we live now is not um it's not literally like the, 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 trying to explain constantly that there's mm-hmm. a change or there has always been um that, that there's always been a change in who we are but we need to wake up to the acceptance of what god calls us and i think for me it's it's one thing that that has helped a little i won't say um it has gotten me up all to the point where i am now fully um, over all my imposters because sometimes it's just flicking once in a while and maybe because those experiences are not constant like i won't constantly find myself around wealthy people so I, I don't know if I'm over that, but I'm just saying that, yeah. So I think that's, those are some of the ways I would really look forward to trying to identify them more. And um, I think, let me just ask you, sir, how, Pastor Freddy, how do you think we can overcome these things well, moving forward? The, the overcoming this is pretty much where I, um, which we've been talking about on the trial. And guys, if you, you can always catch up with the YouTube and the podcast, I mean, we have quite a lot said there. But you have to affirm yourself with the way God has affirmed you. You have to define yourself the way God defines us. God doesn't define us as anything we are, we can be or do, right? He defined us as His expression. So talking about how do we deal with this, I think the pretty interesting part of it is the Bible has a lot of recommendations for us. And the Bible in itself is an accurate cure to all kinds of identity crisis. First of all, you're plugged out of the false cultural definition of who you are into a new definition of who you are. So you're no longer your your ethnicity in as much as that's a gift you have. You're no longer your tribe. You're no longer your family dynamics. You now have an image that is an expression of God. You're a son of God. You're loved by God. The love of God is such a powerful force. Paul spoke about the love constraining. The, the love of God itself is deeply transformative. Knowing I'm loved by God means that I am forever free and accepted by Him. And I'm secured in that love. Therefore, another person's opinion of me is not going to change my opinion of myself. If I'm having a bad day, I'm not loveless. If, I'm, if, I, if I lost a contract, I'm not loveless. If I'm heartbroken from a relationship, I'm not loveless by God. That love for God, from God that love has for humanity is transcendent. It's deeply, deeply eternal. And we can't exhaust that love. Secondly, you and I have to also realize it's not just what we believe about God. You have to begin to understand what God believes about you. And I think that's where many people, many people just stop in, oh, this is what I believe about God. No, that's not where you end. Relationship begins with what God believes about you, that you belong to Him, that you're part of the Trinity, that you're in your life with Him, you're one with Him now. 
and you share in the eternal essence of his life, his love, his divinity, all that he is, he has shared with us. That you're the breath of God made life. And that you're the you're the mystery of God revealed to the world. You're the very life of God on display. You're the manifold wisdom of God manifesting in the world. You're the temple where he dwells. You're his favorite dwelling place. God hasn't come to define us by anything else but by being a part of him. Right? And that's the cure to imposter syndrome. Seeing ourselves through the eyes of God means that we're elevated and sitting above in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are partaker of a divine nature. My accomplishment, no matter how grand, will no longer become my definition, the illusion. My accolades and my awards, no matter how beautiful and how international and headlines and the feel of the timeline, is not a true definition of who I am. Maybe I'm a fragment of what I've accomplished, but it's truly, truly not a real essence of what I am. Who I am is that which will remain long after everything else is stripped of me. And that's the love of God. It's not end, it's received. I feel like at this point, I, I, I can maybe suggest um, some sort of exercise. Um, with what you said, I think the next time I look into the mirror, I would confidently say, I am staring at the love of God or the very essence of Beautiful. God made in flesh. This is the love of God on display. Yes. I am fully restored, redeemed and reclaimed by my Father. I have a home in God and God is at home in me. And that is the beauty of it all. And so what it means is that if I, I bring love to the relationship, right? So if I'm dating someone, if you're dating someone, I'm married now. So I don't look to my wife to supply my emotional and spiritual needs. I, I know that I'm bringing love to the world. I'm bringing love to the relationship. So I'm there to affirm her and not just to be affirmed by her. She's not my source of meaning and validation. But I come alongside her to do life. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the relationship is more beautiful when two union people have become one, yeah. right? And when two union people have become one, knowing that my God, my one with God's self, is what is true about me, not just my Freddy for self, Freddy. <laughs> my one with God's self. So um, I came across a post as we maybe wrap up. Mm -hmm. I came across a post where um, they were really trying to talk about depression. Mm -hmm. I think there was a high rate of suicide at some point, and I even read. I don't know how true this is, but they said over the past few months. That the rate of suicide deaths in a particular country was much more than the one caused by COVID. And I'm like, okay, I understand that there are a lot of things that this thing gets to spill onto. And then the quote was, when you fall into depression, what it means is that the character you're playing is simply telling you it is tired of being played by that character. Mm. So what it means that if I suddenly start feeling bad about myself... The illusion is tired of the illusion. Yes, basically. So it's more or less like the... But the drama is king is tired of the, of the play. <laughs> of the play. So it's more or less like you having to realize that um, um, all the scripts that is being played out by this particular person that I think I am, the real me on the inside that is literally maybe just observing is tired of having that thing play out. So I think for me, um, taking it away from this podcast is a constant reminder that God's essence is very much my fabric of mm. my creation and everything. Is your that source? Is your essence? Is your substance? You know, everything else is a shadow, but the life of God, the image of God that you are, is a substance. Your your color, your skin, your ethnicity, your personality, your profile, and your parameters. Tall, not too tall dark, lanky, muscular, they are the shadow. 
they are the part of the illusion. The image is the reality. It's a lot and yeah. I'm, I'm really, really do grateful for this space. So this is another episode of the Tribe Stories and we just talked about imposter syndrome. No, we should talk about another one. I want us to talk about, um, I've been talking, talking about pain. Okay. Pain, where does it come from and how, how can we interpret it? All the eventful aspects of our life, the painful realities that we have to go through, the crisis we have to suffer. Let's look after that one. Thank All you. right, no problem. Till next time, guys. Have a lovely day. <laughs>